Welcome to the newest Eden Center podcast, Building Ourselves Through Parsha. Our host, Karen Miller-Jackson, will use the Parsha to explore an aspect of social, emotional, or physical well-being relevant for 21st century life and its challenges. Karen is a certified Matan Moralalacha, Jewish educator, writer, founder of Kivun Sherut, a guidance program for religious girls, and creator of Power Parsha. Consistent with the Eden Center's goal of enhancing women's spiritual life through Torah and Mikvah, Karen's insights, we hope, will serve as a springboard for self-introspection and discussion. Hello, everyone. In this week's Building Ourselves podcast, we'll be discussing stress management and anxiety, topics which I'm sure all of us can relate to in some way. Just last week, the news was awash with reports of the greatest of all time, Simone Biles, pulling out of her competitions in order to protect her physical and mental health. This incredible athlete who pushed through so many high-stress moments had to pull back. Her story highlights that sometimes we all need to pause and evaluate our stress levels. This week's Parsha, Parshat Shoftim, is the perfect springboard for this discussion, as it highlights the natural anxiety that people feel when they're called up to fight in a war. As Rashi points out, this short section urges the people four times not to be disheartened and to overcome their fears. The emphasis in the Torah and the exceptions made for those who need them provide a model for understanding and coping with different levels of anxiety and stress. After these Parsha insights, we will be joined by my good friend and stress management coach, Sasha Weiss, for a conversation about understanding and raising awareness about anxiety and stress, as well as some helpful tips for coping with low-level anxiety. So back to Parsha Shoptim. Devarim chapter 20 teaches that when the people approach a battlefield, the Kohen is instructed to address them. His speech is a carefully crafted balance between encouraging the people to overcome their fear and to rely on their belief in Hashem as a source of strength, and at the same time, a list of exempted people from the war. The list culminates with a person who is Yarei Varach Levav, afraid and disheartened. The Talmud in Masachet Sota teaches that these exemptions only apply in the context of what is called a, a milchemet reshut, a voluntary war. For a milchemet mitzvah, there are no exemptions. Even a chatan and a kala go out from their chuppah for a milchemet mitzvah. So the Kohen states four times in this short speech as follows, Al yirach levavchem, al tirau ve'al tachpezu, let not your courage falter. Do not be in fear or in panic or in dread of them. The Kohen speech highlights that fear is natural, especially when going out to war. True courage, teaches the Torah, is when one takes action despite one's fears. Yet, sometimes there is a need to exempt people from this sort of situation. The first three include one who has built a house but not yet de dedicated it, one who has planted a vineyard but not yet harvested it, and one who is engaged to a woman but not yet married her. These significant, unfinished life milestones will be too distracting, and therefore a soldier should not go to war while in the midst of them. The fourth exemption is somewhat different, and the interpreters vary in their understanding of it. One who is Yarei Varach Levav, even after the Kohen's encouraging speech, has an exemption. Here, the fear and anxiety is too great and would be too dangerous to send this person to the battlefield. The Mishnah in Masachet Sotah presents a machloket 
on why, how to understand this category of person who is fearful. Rabbi Akiva teaches, quote unquote, that is fearful and faint-hearted, is to be understood as it indicates, meaning its literal meaning. The person is unable to stand in the battle ranks and see a drawn sword because it will terrify him. On the other hand, Rabbi Yosei Haglili says, that is fearful and faint-hearted, this is to be understood as one who is afraid, not because of the sword, but because of his own sins that he has. Um, he Therefore, the Torah provided him with other reasons uh, for exemption, such as building a house, engaged to a woman, planting a vineyard, so that he can ascribe to these reasons in order to leave. Therefore, a sinner may leave without having to publicly acknowledge that he is a sinner. Rabbi Yossi does not really allow for a category of exemption for someone who truly has so much anxiety and fear that they can't go out to war. It is more the fear that he will put the nation at risk and everyone will be punished for his sins. Rabbi Akiva, on the other hand, understands this to be literal. The Torah recognizes that some may be unable to overcome their anxiety and ensures that they are encouraged to leave. The Torah also provides another insight into why someone who has such great anxiety should remain at home. The Torah teaches, The officials go on addressing the troops and say, Is there anyone afraid and disheartened? Let him go back to his home, lest the courage of his comrades flag like his. It is important that this does not affect the morale of others and that the Yare and Rachlevav does not spread panic among the ranks. The Torah here provides us with a unique psychological understanding of anxiety and stress management in, high pressure, in a high-pressure situation, which we can apply to our lives. Whether it is in, God forbid, a truly dangerous situation, after all, many of us have children who serve in the IDF or have served and will serve in the IDF, or through many life battles that we may experience, so to speak, that we need to just get through. The model of Milchemet Reshut says, encourage acknowledging and managing a certain level of stress and anxiety, but also know that there is a point at which it needs greater treatment and attention. Simone Biles taught us a lesson in overcoming such obstacles when she went back in for a final competition in the Olympics, and the record-breaking gold medalist said that winning her last bronze was sweeter than any of her golds. Up next, to continue to explore this topic, uh, the topic of stress management and managing low-level anxiety, uh, I'll be interviewing Sasha Wace. so stay tuned. Sasha Weiss is a social psychologist who coaches executives and people in transition points in life. Her clients include entrepreneurs, executives, Olim, nonprofit professionals, students, and returning to work mothers. Sasha has an MA in social psychology and education, and she is a certified coach and an organizational consultant. Good morning, Sasha. Thanks so much for joining me. Hi, Karen. Great to be here and call up to you and the Eden Center for all the important work that you're doing. Thank you. Today, as you know, um, in this week's Parsha, I am talking about stress management and, and different types of anxiety. Uh, and I know that this is your, your area that you've been working in. So I'd like to ask you a few questions. First, um, we're all ex- we all experience stress or anxiety at times, different times in our lives. 
but sometimes we're more aware of it. Sometimes we're less aware of it. Can you help us, can you help describe uh, the typical feelings that people experience when they're dealing with stress and anxiety? What are the signs of rising anxiety and what are the potential risks or dangers for us if we are not so aware of that? Sure. Um, so as you mentioned in the intro, um, I'm a, psych- a social psychologist. So I work with the general population. I don't work with people with clinical diagnoses. So I just want to make that disclaimer at the beginning. Um, and so what we're going to be addressing today generally addresses general low levels of stress, et cetera. So it's really, it's, I think that it's really important that we understand what stress is, because when you understand what stress is, it helps to be able to manage it. Uh, And the first thing to know is that stress is so common and it's always been common. I think now with COVID, it's obviously been really exacerbated. Um, A recent study showed that about 75% of U.S. adults report symptoms of stress on a somewhat regular basis. Um, And stress is really this automatic physical, mental, and emotional response to to a challenging event. And it can be helpful, you know, before we like throw stress under the bus, um, you know, it's important to remember how stress can be helpful for us. So first of all, I don't know about you, Karen, but I know for me that if I have a deadline um, and uh, stress can actually be really helpful, right, to motivate me, to get me going so that I get whatever it is that I need to have a deadline. <laughs> exactly. Deadlines can be helpful. It can also be really helpful, like in an emergency, God forbid you're crossing the street and you see a car coming really fast, you know, you you pull back very, very quickly. You have this adrenaline rush, which is a helpful um, sign of stress. And something else is that stress can also be a good warning sign, right? If you're in a situation and you're feeling uncomfortable with the people who you're with, or you're feeling stressed in a relationship, um, it can be a good reminder to reflect on what's going on around you. And to think about, am I in the right place right now? Are there things I need to work on in my relationships, et cetera? So, um, so that's on the positive side about how stress you know, can actually be empowering for us in some ways. Um, but obviously, if we have too much stress and if we have it at inappropriate times, it can be really harmful uh, and detrimental. So different people experience stress differently, um, but some typical responses would be like heart racing, sweating, headaches, stomach aches, achy body, um, you know, feelings of just totally being overwhelmed, of being exhausted all the time, um, constant worry, right? Like constantly um, perseverating on concerns, racing thoughts. Sometimes people have a feeling that they're totally losing control and other people have a feeling that they just want to take all the control they possibly can. Um, people sometimes you know, find it really hard to focus. They get really agitated. Um, and these are things you know, that many of us experience throughout, our, throughout the day um, to different degrees. And, um, and we know that there are like serious consequences right, to ongoing stress, physical consequences. And you had asked in the beginning about what are some of the risks. And you know, there could be problems of um, serious uh, issues like high blood pressure, heart problems, diabetes, skin conditions, lower sex drive, asthma, arthritis, depression, anxiety. These are all uh, things can really contribute. Yes, really informative. Thank you. Uh, And I was thinking about if you'd like, 
Um, just, you know, explaining a little bit more about how stress works. Would that be helpful? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so, so generally, um, in the most simplistic of, of terms, we operate in two modes. We have like an emergency mode that we operate in and we have a routine mode. So like the routine mode is when we're healthy. Um, things, you know, that's like our day-to-day, right? So our heart rate is pretty even. Blood's going to flow to all the organs. You're gonna, um, blood's going to be flowing to your brain so you can think clearly. You'll be breathing well. Your pupils will be appropriately sized. Your stomach will work well. But when we're in, like when our body gets into an emergency mode and it thinks that something, you know, we're at risk, um, then we're going to have a different response. And that's going to be like lots of blood's going to go to the heart and to the skeletal muscles, the arms, the legs, and our stomach becomes inactive. And that uses lots and lots of energy. And that was super helpful when we were in the jungle, right? Running away from a lion. Um, But... (laughs) But in our day to day, if we're, you know, speaking with our colleagues or spouse or teens or um, we're rushing to prepare for a meeting or for Shabbat and we get into that kind of emergency mode, um, it can it can be very unhelpful because we need to be clear headed and we need to have blood flowing to our brain and helps with decision making, et cetera. So, again, it's not like a conscious thing. We don't decide, okay, right now I'm going to be stressed. That's not that's not the way it works. It's something that happens automatically. And the more we worry, what's really interesting, I find, is that the more we worry, it's almost like a muscle that you develop, right? So like a dancer, if a dancer practices every day, they can develop all those muscles. Same with our worry muscles. The more we worry, the stronger that muscle gets. And so our response becomes more automatic um, to be concerned and to be worried. Yeah. Yes. And as, you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about myself and my, you know, my personal ways of coping with life anxieties. I think also apropos for the Eden audience, women also in different times of our lives uh, have more, you know, rising or, or uh, lowered anxiety. And, you know, certainly there's a hormonal element there as mm-hmm. well, um, which leads me into my next question, which is that uh, in the Parsha, in, in my Parsha Insights, I talk about uh, the the category of exemption from from a voluntary war in the Torah uh, for someone who's called Yareva Rachleba, um, which seems to be understood by some of the commentaries as having a sort of debilitating anxiety when called up to war. Uh, and this really highlights that there's going to be times and situations like you talked about um, back in the in the jungle when you're chased by a lion or what that's going to be or in the Torah when you're called up to a war. Um, so at these times, people are going to feel more prone to feeling anxiety. And um, this can really evoke a lot of uncertainty. So I'd love to hear from you about these, you know, these a little bit more about these situations and um, and how to maybe even how to prepare for that and be more aware of that. Sure. So it's not only right in the case in our parsha, it certainly is a case where we understand right the the potential dangers um, that this individual might be facing, and I think that that's on one side of the extreme. But I think that there are so many different stages in our lives that we go through transitions, and transitions are notorious um, for evoking stressful reactions, right? So. Um, when you think about all the transitions we've all gone through in our lives, um, developmentally, right, from childhood to young adulthood to adulthood, um, for those who are marriage, divorce, uh, children going off into the army, 
college, moving to new cities, new jobs, um, you know, unexpected changes of death and, and illness and things like that, right? So we have many, many transitions that we go through. And some are really positive and exciting. Um, and some are obviously not. Uh, and a big factor in all of those is the uncertainty that you mentioned. And that is um, definitely, you know, I remember when we first made Aliyah, our daughter was going into Ghan and, uh, and we were brand new here, didn't speak Hebrew. And uh, the Ghan she was going into was the one class that had no other English speaking kids and a teacher who was known to be particularly strict but fair, I would say. Um, and the other gun, and it was warm and loving, and there were lots of Anglo kids, and that was the gun that was recommended to us to go into. And she, that gun was full, and so she ended up in the other gun with a stricter teacher and uh, no Anglos. And I had friends who, who, you know, new friends who said to me, oh my gosh, you should go, you should protest, you should write letters to the newspaper, this is terrible. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to do that. Let's see what happens. And it ended up being the best thing for her because she ended up learning Hebrew so much quicker and acclimating so much quicker. And it ended up being wonderful. And so often we worry in transition times about the unknown, right? And that's a very, very big um, factor. And we as human beings, like we're wired to love certainty and predictability. Uh, it's comforting for us, right? And it makes decision-making so much easier. We have to every day, uh, you know, think through our the small decisions that we made on a regular basis for everything that we did. Life would be very, very tedious. And so our brain, um, you know, sort of relies on the predictable. It relies on what happened in the past to make future decisions. And when we're in a new situation, when things are uncertain, we can't rely anymore on what we did in the past because that is not going to be all that helpful for us. So um, it's a really interesting study that, uh, that talks about how uh, it was done in the um, University College of London, uh, and they show how people are more fearful of, of, having a, um, of getting a painful electric shock. They're more fearful if they don't know if they're going to get the electric shock than if they for sure know they're going to get it, right? So that fear of uncertainty is really, really strong for us. Um, and in our news, go ahead. Which also explains why living through this pandemic, you know, for the past year and a half, which is like daily and weekly uncertainty, you know, why we have such high rates of higher stress and higher feelings of anxiety. And it really, just knowing that helps um, with the uncertainty. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so when we're in those new situations, you know, like, like a new reality that we're all facing, right? And where the rules of the game keep changing, um, we do need to be aware and to and to adapt ourselves. And uh, you know, another interesting um, thing that I learned, I, I had done some interviews of combat soldiers and asked them, you know, what causes you stress? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So, what causes you the most stress? You know, and I expected them to talk about the work itself, right? Um, particularly as a mother, and they spoke about how the biggest cause of stress was the uncertainty as to whether or not they would be coming home for Shabbat, right? They didn't know what their schedule was going to be in advance, and if they knew what their schedule was going to be in advance, they'd be fine, but because they didn't, that's what caused them the most lachats during the the week, so it affects all of us. Exactly. So one, one last question. 
Um, our so our Eden listeners, I would say that um, anxiety and stress in the lives of women who are listening to this podcast. Um, there's probably two major areas that that it comes up in in terms of life stages and life experiences. One is women trying to balance between work and family and juggling all those balls and the, you know the stress and and guilt associated with everything. Um, and the other is um, is in another category, you know, the stressful challenges of relating to, as related to fertility challenges and God forbid, pregnancy loss. Um, other women also have mikvah related stress um, in terms, certainly during the pandemic, there was another layer of that, but, um, but you know, stress related to going to the mikvah and experience of the mikvah. So based on your work, um, we'd love some tips for, um, for how to cope. Um, obviously, we'll just uh, get little, little nibbles, little tidbits here, um, just the beginning. So how to cope with, um, with these challenges, or also if we see this in our loved ones, how to cope with this low-level anxiety, which we're talking about. Sure. So first, it's really important to be honest with yourself and to um, assess your level of stress and anxiety and to think about, you know, if it's really infringing on your life, um, it's really important to get help, to seek professional help. And sometimes, you know, we're not sure and it's better to go and get the help and to get assessed and then and then to decide afterwards. Um, and, you know, I'd be happy to share some strategies. So first of all, there's the basics, right? That we should all keep in mind and sometimes we totally take for granted. So exercising regularly, healthy eating, getting enough sleep, uh, investing in relationships, right? Human connection is super important. Volunteering, um, limiting the time we have on social media and the news, you know, all those sorts of things can be very helpful and are, are really critical baseline, I would say. Uh, and then there are tools that we can learn. And the tools that I think would be really helpful in many of the, of the cases that you're describing are things like um, breathing, right? It's something we totally take for granted, but effective breathing so that when I notice that I'm starting, my heart rate's starting to get um, to rise, like I described earlier, I'm able to slow down my breathing. That will help me um, to get my body back into like a state of homeostasis. And mindfulness, of course, is helpful. Learning to relate to our thoughts differently, which is something that actually we can do. Um, it's a skill that we can learn. And, uh, and understanding how stress works and becoming really more attuned to our own stress, right? Like what are the triggers? When do I start to feel stressed? And, and what are the things that cause stress? And to... Uh, to try and, you know, for each of us, we have different triggers and we also have different ways of coping that can be helpful. So trying to understand better about yourself and what can help you um, to deal with your stress. And, you know, there always are, are the, uh, the general tips, right? Und identifying what you can control and what you can't control. That's a big part of a lot of times we spend time worrying about what we can't control. And, at the end of the day, we all know that's wasted time, right? Wasted time and wasted energy because there's so much we can control and so many things that we can um, help with in the world and in our own personal lives. So I think that that's something, you know, to, to do. Emuna, of course, is, you know, we know research has shown that, that having faith is so important um, and helpful to people's general sense of well-being. And... Um, 
Also thinking back to your own experience in the past of challenging times, right? And, and how you manage to get through challenging times. I like to call it, you know, it's called the bright spots, identifying bright spots, identifying times in the past and using that as a, as a reflection and say, okay, I managed in the past to get through that and things were actually okay. And I'm gonna try and do that again. Um, we spoke about the uncertainty and, the, and uh, unknown. So, you know, building up tolerance for the unknown. And that can be in really small things like parking in a different spot than you usually do and ordering different food in restaurants and um, getting yourself, building up that muscle of dealing with uncertainty. And, uh, and gratitude also, you know, just having a, thinking about focusing on the positive as well um, is very important. I had a professor who used to say, Danielle Camiel, who said, um, it's not enough just to tachshov tov yihietov. It's not just enough uh, to think it'll be good and it will be good, but it's important to tachshov tov, tachsetov yihietov. You know, think positively, do actions that can help you. Some of the things that we discussed here and other things that, that people know about. Um, and then it, it will be, please God, good. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned us women who try to balance so many things in our lives and, and are often quite uh, feel like we're not coming up, uh, you know, to where we want to be on, on all areas. And I think we need to give ourselves more of a break and to recognize that we cannot do everything perfectly. That is impossible. Um, but to focus on what's most important uh, in our lives. So I hope that was helpful. That was incredibly helpful. So on that note, I'm super grateful that you were took the time um, to give us all this helpful information in such a um, meaningful way. So thank you. And um, everyone, wishing everyone a, a relatively relaxed and healthy rest of the summer. And uh, Shabbat Shalom, Sasha. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks so much, Karen. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center, whose goal is to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikvah as a sacred space for women and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to Jewish women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships, enhancing Jewish women and family life. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedencenter.com, to learn more about our work in making mikvah relevant, welcoming, and meaningful. This episode is recorded by Karen Miller-Jackson, edited by Mecca Shore, and is a product of the Edmund Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sponsoring a podcast in dollars or shekels at bit.ly backslash E-D-E-N-P-O-D. Additionally, give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback by email at podcasts at theedencenter.com.